so glad you're here. Just one week, seven days from Christmas, celebrating Christ's birth. Excited for that. And uh, we've been in this series, if you've been around for the last couple of weeks, we're working through the original songs of Christmas. I suggested that we didn't come up with the idea of Christmas songs. They're actually a biblical theme. And in fact, in the, in the book of Luke, it goes through a number of different songs. We've touched on two of them so far. The first one was Mary's song in response to finding that she was giving birth to the coming Messiah, which is pretty awesome news for someone to receive. Last week was Zechariah's song. If you remember, he was going to be giving birth to John the Baptist, he and Elizabeth in their old age, which was a big deal worth singing about. This week, we're looking at the angel's song. So a little bit different uh, take on that, hopefully this morning. And uh, if you can start turning with me, we'll be in Luke 2 this morning. And as we're turning there, I was thinking about our, our theme or big idea this morning is moving towards simplicity, moving towards simplicity, keeping it simple, if you will. If you're like me during this season, you felt especially the hectic weight of all the responsibilities of an adult, all of the things that we carry, responsibilities and stresses. And I think back to a more simple time, especially having young kids. Like, think about the, the kindergarten years, how simple things were. There was nap time. That's enough said right there. There, there. there was coloring time. There was time to play with your toys. There was, uh, everybody's like, oh, that sounds good. Even as I'm talking, you didn't have to worry about cooking meals. Often didn't have to clean up after yourself. So many things as a child. Oh, your favorite cartoons in the afternoon. Oh, sleeping in. Like all of these things that a child enjoys, I would suggest would be some of the things that we long for in the simplicity of life. But what, what I love about our God is that he encourages simplicity. In fact, Jesus, when he's talking to the crowds uh, at one point, he described himself. He says, listen, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I want to take the weight off of all that you're carrying, and I'll carry it for you. So if you're feeling especially stressed and weighted this season, this message is one that hopefully will be an encouragement. It's not a lot of to-dos, but a little bit more of a, a refresher of some of the simplicity in the gospel nativity story. Let me pray for us as we dive in. God, thank you so much for this chance to be together, just celebrating you, uh, your birth, your choice to come down, to invade this earth, to break into our broken state as a means of rescue. I pray that you'd speak to us through this text. I thank you for the simplicity, and even as we'll start by looking at the simplicity of the audience that you chose to reveal yourself to. We pray that you'd be present in this room, speaking to us directly. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So starting right away, in, uh, right out of the, the, the gates there, in uh, verse uh, 8 of, the, of the, the text there in chapter 2 of Luke, we're seeing the simple audience that Jesus chose to reveal himself to first. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear. That's kind of a reoccurring theme in Scripture upon an angel's visit. What I would suggest would be appropriate 
But you see there in the text that it's a group of shepherds that are just keeping watch over their sheep. That's an occupation that they are responsible for, watching these sheep even uh, while they sleep. Not exactly an exciting job. But you think about that encounter, even as we start the conversation, it would probably be one of those encounters that from that day forward, your life would never be the same. Sometimes my family teases me for repeating stories too much, and, uh, and I think, uh, I'm guessing that these shepherds probably told that story a few thousand times from that day forward. Anybody else agree with that possibility? Think about that encounter that God chose. It doesn't say in the text that in that region, scribes and Pharisees keeping watch on their scrolls. No, he chose to reveal himself first to the simple, to the simple, to just the ordinary blue-collar worker, if you will, of that day and time. And that, and that uh, culture, they would have been at the very, shepherds would have been at the very bottom of the social uh, ladder, if you will. And in fact, most of them considered, because they're uneducated in the law, considered ignorant. In fact, I was reading this week that a shepherd wasn't even allowed to give witness in a court of law because of their standing in society. But in God's upside-down kingdom, he chose to say, no, that's who I'm going to first introduce myself to. It's kind of cool to think of that, that hope for the, the ordinary folks like myself and yourself, to see yourself, to put yourself in the shepherd's shoes, who he chose to reveal himself, not to the, to the sophisticated, because he didn't want anybody with high IQ or high standing to be able to congratulate themselves or think it had something to do with them. This was all about a gift from Christ. Other piece that I think is interesting about these meeting shepherds is the sheep, if you think about it, what was Jesus known as? He was known as the Lamb of God, who would be slain. Fascinating if you think about it that the the Lamb of God was being introduced to the caretakers of lambs. And even those lambs that they were probably watching, what were they raised for? A high percentage of them, I would suggest, were headed to be on an altar for the atonement of man's sins. So a lot of so maybe it wasn't just the angels singing, it was maybe the sheep joining in as well. Because the error of sacrifice of animals for man's sin was about to conclude. And so this was a, a huge deal. God chose to introduce himself to the simple. The first thing that we notice here, simple audience, no qualifications needed. Simple solution too. says this in verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be full for all, pe- all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Any people that grew up in the church, probably in this room, uh, uh, a few of you memorized that section of Scripture at some point. Anybody here memorize that at some point? Okay, I'm the only one, uh, maybe. But uh, it made me think of a, a story that I heard uh, of a man who was uh, visiting the doctor and was explaining that he had some really unique symptoms that he was dealing with. He was dealing with some issues where he was having ringing in his ears, bulging eyes, and a flushed face. 
first he shows up to the doctor, and the doctor is a little concerned because obviously that's linked to a, a lack of oxygen. And so they, he went into a barrage of tests trying to figure out what is the solution, what's the, the issue. And the first thing you have to identify as a doctor, right, is what's causing the problem. So he went through just a series of different tests trying to solve this, and in fact sent a specialist after specialist, and ultimately they could not solve his problem. The most wise doctors could not figure it out, and they left him with really little to no hope, saying, listen, with, with reduced oxygen, man, it, your, the outlook is not good. So this gentleman decided to, to spend the remainder of his days. He wanted to, well, I'm going to at least live it up, and he made the choice to head to Las Vegas. That's where everyone heads in their last days. I, no, I'm just kidding, but... Uh, but he made, he made the choice to go there. But before going there, he realized he didn't have a good suit to wear. So he goes to a tailor, gets fitted for the suit. While he's getting his, the, his collar checked, they said, okay, you're, you're a size uh, 16, and your, your coat size is a 46. And he's like, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm a size 15. I've worn a size 15 for years. Taylor's response to the gentleman was, well, sir, I can order you a size 15, but I don't want you to come complaining when you have ringing in your ears, bulging eyes, and flush face. Sorry, you'll get that later. Obviously, the solution was right in front of him. He's being choked by his collar. Get it? Get it? Okay. Work, work with me. Okay, so, 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 uh, so the solution was so obvious, but he completely missed it. What I would suggest as we're racing into Christmas, as it points out in the text that the angels understood that this solution was right and is right in front of our eyes. Most people never consider the possibility that Jesus is a serious solution for our predicament. It's kind of seen more as the, the someone that's for the simple or the, oh, that's a nice story of Christmas, but not the possibility that, wait a second, maybe he is the solution to the issues I have. I was reading through this week, my daughter Alexa, who's in the elementary school close by, her fourth grade class had a project where they filled out, it's real cute, kind of going through, and they wrote these little um, uh, summaries of holiday traditions. And they're going through, and it's interesting to, to read through them. There's 31 kids in her class. How many do you think out of the 31 mentioned Jesus in the holiday traditions? Two. Alexa was one of them, one other, and then one made a reference to Mass. And, and out of that, how many out of the kids, out of 31 kids in my, my daughter's class, do you think mentioned Santa Claus or Santa Claus 2.0, Elf on the Shelf, 25, 25. You think about that, how many people, that's just a, a picture of our, of our culture and where it's headed, that no one really considers the possibility, what if Jesus is the one that is the solution for our issues? Well, that's what the angels were announcing to them. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, the word Savior says something to us. What, in order for a Savior to be needed, you have to be what? In a place where you need to be saved, right? 
You have to be in dire straits. Otherwise, it's not that big of a deal. Otherwise, it's not that good of news. You have to first come to the conclusion, wait a second, I need to be saved. You have to recognize the state of man or else this Christmas message is just like, oh, just like an elf on the shelf, just another story that we, that we tell our kids. But no, the solution is right there. And the question that I'd suggest that a lot of people wrestle through is what are, we, what are we being saved from? I think a lot of times the gospel message is uh, polluted or watered down and is confused about what we're being saved from. I want to talk about that just for a, a moment here. What are we being saved from? A lot or many would suggest that we're being saved or rescued from an unfulfilled life. A life that's just not going the direction that you had hoped. Uh, you're not experiencing the things that you thought you were going to experience. The, your, something just seems to be missing. And the, the promise of a purpose-driven life is very compelling to the world around if you don't have or sense purpose in your life. A lot of people t- take that and like, oh man, that, I do need to be rescued from an unfulfilled life. But is that the primary thing we're being rescued from? Another one that I often see in here is that we're being rescued also from bad habits or addictions or patterns that have grown out of control in our life. A lot of people would say like, oh, man, you need Jesus to to break out of that addictive behavior. You need Jesus to have victory over that. You need Jesus to have that. That's what he came to, to save you from that. And here is the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter, those are peripheral things that you might be rescued from. But the primary thing is the one that nobody wants to talk about as we approach Christmas, the primary thing we are being saved from, let's be crystal clear on this, we are headed towards ultimate judgment from Almighty God because we've broken His law. That's what we're being rescued from. That's what we're being saved from. Otherwise, there's plenty of people that are like, hey, I am actually live a life that's somewhat fulfilled. I'm actually not that addicted to anything. I'm not that broken. But everybody has broken God's perfect standard. That's what we're being rescued from. The consequences, it's interesting if you think of it from this perspective, God is saving us from himself. God is saving us from himself, and that's the Christmas story. He chose to enter in and absorb the wrath that was intended for mankind. Romans 2.5 says this, Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. This is not a popular truth. This is something that people push back on quite a bit, the idea of like, oh, wait a second, I'm, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, I'm headed towards God's wrath. That's not, that's not a popular Christmas message. But otherwise, it's not a big deal if you're not rescued from something that looming or that significant. My son Chase is in fifth grade at the same school my daughter is, and I thought it was interesting on the flip side of that, that uh, project. He had the project of reading the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anybody read that or anybody see the movie? Maybe that's a more uh, possible 
but, but he was, uh, they, they broke in discussion groups after reading the book where they had to interact about the book and t- the, the topic and the theme. And I thought it was so cool because the teacher, one of the discussion questions she proposed for the kids was this. How does Aslan parallel Jesus? I was like, whoa, in the public school, that's awesome. And, uh, and so I was really encouraged with that. And so they're, but they were all kind of, in, in Chase's little discussion group, they're all perplexed. Like, uh, what do you mean? Uh, what is that? How does that? How does he parallel? And so Chase, man, he's a little bold guy. He's just like, well, listen, this is how it works. We all sinned. We all messed up, and because of that, uh, because of that, God came, set, came down in, in the earth suit. I don't know if he said it all this way, but I'm just going to go into it. Came down in the earth suit in the form of a baby, lived the perfect life, died as a sacrifice because of our sins, our mistakes, because we've all messed up, and he gets the preacher hat onto this little group. And, and you know what one of the kids said to him? He said, well, that's rude. Well, that's rude. The idea that... We're sinning. The idea that we've made mistakes, that's considered in our culture rude to tell somebody that, right? That's rude. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that as part of the Christmas story. But otherwise, for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior is only necessary if you need to be saved. If you need to be saved. So the message that is a simple solution. Jesus is the solution. And be clear also when it says a Savior who is Christ the Lord, that this isn't just anybody that's rescuing them. The word Lord there is the same word that's used throughout the Old Testament. I jotted it down 6,156 times. The same word used to describe God, Yahweh. Same word. So this wasn't just some guy, some, some part of man's creation like many different churches might te- of God's creation. It, it, it is God in the flesh coming down, the only one qualified to absorb the wrath of God. He chose to fill our spot and absorb that. And so he, they're celebrating. And because of that, he's saying, and this will be a, oh, I'm sorry, for unto you, us is born this day in the city of David, Savior who is Christ the Lord, and it's to bring great joy that will be for all people. Every single person on this, on this planet has that same simple solution if they'll embrace it. Obviously, the, the shepherds somehow understood this because, uh, because it was great uh, or good news of great joy for them as well. So simple solution, simple song. Look at this in the next section, verse 13. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Neat picture there that we don't know exactly what a multitude is. Usually when a, the word multitude is used in scripture, it's talking about at least a couple thousand people. But Revelation talks about this. Did you know that it gives a, a number count in the book of Revelation of angels? A hundred or 10,000 times 10,000. Any mathematicians in the room here? That's a hundred million angels. So we don't know how many out of that hundred million angels showed up on that evening, but I'm guessing that it was a pretty impressive 
presentation. Anybody else, like for the announcement of the biggest thing of all time in, in, in human history? I'm guessing there's a few that showed up for this event and were pretty jazzed about it. So it's it's pretty uh, impressive experience. The reason why those shepherds, I'm sure, talked about it the rest of their, their, their lives. The angels, what I love about this, the angels weren't even the ones getting rescued, but they're still excited about the whole thing. They're celebrating. It's a, it's a big deal. They've been watching us knuckleheads here on earth for a really long time, and they're like, finally, something's going to rescue mankind from their situation. And you think about it, it's, uh, th- this was interesting. We had this conversation over dinner last night. Here's a debate. You can bring it to your meal today. Did they sing or did they proclaim? It says here in the text that they say, praising God and saying, not singing. Dun, 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 controversy. But that would mess up my whole series and lots of Christmas songs. So we're going to stay with, uh, with the, the singing idea. And so we can wrestle through that. They actually do. We're looking up. There's uh, uh, examples of them singing in Revelation and, and, and using harps. And so uh, anyway, you can read about that or look that, that up on your own. For our conversation, they, they were singing. Let's stay with that. Either way, either way, sung or proclaimed, a pretty big deal. And what was it? Was it, was it a complicated message that they were proclaiming? What were they singing about? You wonder, what would a, an angel, if you had a chance to listen to the, the voice of angels, what would they say? And they, they keep it pretty simple here. When, when I look at it, it's not something crazy. Glory to God in the highest. Glory, that's the obvious. Bring him praise. Celebrate him for what? But what are we singing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The celebration was the peace that was being offered to mankind. We just talked about it a few minutes ago. There was enmity between us and God and finally there's peace. The potential for peace is on the table for mankind. Will they receive it? What will they do with this peace? The word peace there is a little bit different from what we associate peace uh, with in, in our present day language. You, we usually associate peace as the absence of hostility, the absence of war. There, the idea of peace was more of a description of wholeness or completeness. What Jesus was bringing was something that man was lacking. There was something that he didn't have that this peace was finally going to bring. One reconciled with a perfect God, but then bringing wholeness and completeness. I was talking to an elderly lady at the gym a few weeks ago. She was on the, the bicycle next to me, and, uh, and we were just chatting. And we've, we've known each other for a while now, and she was telling me about her, her uh, adult daughter. She was asking, uh, she knew, knows that I'm a pastor, and so she was just asking my advice. She says, Scott, she goes, I'm not sure what to say to my daughter because my daughter often comes to me and tells me how unhappy she is. She just feels that she's just got this weight that's on her. She just has this, and I have no idea what to suggest. Scott, what would you say is she's missing? She has a family. She has these different things. She has all this stuff. And what would you suggest that I say? I explained to her. I said, listen, the one piece that's missing is we've been designed with a hole in our heart. God's designed us with a, something that literally only He 
can bring completeness to. You can try to stuff every single thing into that hole. There's all kinds of things. And, and look around the horizon of mankind, and we're trying to fit everything we possibly can into that hole that nothing seems to satisfy. And what was being offered, what the angels are celebrating, was the simplicity of the fact that Jesus is finally going to complete us. Finally. And you have that person in your life, or maybe you are that person that's just wanting so desperately to experience peace. And that's what's on the table with the birth of Jesus Christ. Pretty awesome reality that it it literally moved them to song or to uh, give a verbal witness. We don't know. You can talk about that over lunch. But uh, last thing I wanted to point in that section before we move on is it does say something there that might be confusing. Or it says, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It could, upon first read, recognize that as like, is that something that we've done? Is that something that we've done to uh, like uh, aspire to, that he's come down because he's so pleased with us? Let's not forget, let's not forget mankind has rejected God and gone his own way. So it's nothing to do with the, the group of goofballs that have rejected him it has everything to do with his unmerited favor his unmerited favor it's nothing to do with what i've done in fact ephesians 2 8 for by grace you have been saved by faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god nothing to do with us his kindness and a gift from above next section simple message verse 15 When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it had been told them. I feel like often in Scripture, when it's translated to English, it loses a little bit of the excitement that was probably intended in the text. Look in verse 15. After the shepherds saw this, they said, Let us go over to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened. Do you think that pervades the idea of what they had just experienced? This multitude of heavenly hosts just revealed themselves. It says the glory of the Lord shone upon them. Do you think it's, let us go find out what has happened here? Or like, are, are, really? Like, really? I, I'm thinking it's more, this is the picture that came to my head. This is how weird I am. I'm thinking it's more like going into an Irish pub and letting them know there's a leprechaun in the alley outside. You know, like, like that's the kind of excitement that you would see. Like, okay, that's a stretch. But, uh, but like, I'm guessing that these guys that are very familiar with the idea of the coming Messiah, they've finally just had this group of thousands of angels proclaim it to you. Do you think they, they went about went about like, okay, let us go see and ponder the things that we've experienced? No. Like, these, these are just simple guys, man. They're jazz. I'm guessing they came upon that little town of Bethlehem like a storm, 
like a tornado, knocking on every door, trying to find out. It even says in the text, it says that they made it known made known. Do you think it, it wasn't a silent night? It wasn't a silent night. Like these guys, shepherds would not be known for being silent about something that, that is that big of a deal. And then look at the response it says in verse 18, all who heard it wondered, uh, heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. In other words, think of the message that they're coming with. These angels just came, and they told us that this peasant girl and boy just gave birth to the Messiah right in your little town. Like, oh, they, they wondered. Man, are you kidding me? They're like, they're, their minds are like in the middle. I'm guessing it was in the middle of the night. You get a knock on the door at 2 a.m., like, and somebody's saying that the angel just announced to them, and they're all excited about this. Like, yes, they wondered. That's the thing, is we are intended as messengers, with the message that we have, to have such passion that people are left going like, whoa, there's something different with them. There's something different with their message. There's something attractive. I, I want to I ponder this. I want to I I wrestle through this. That was our intention to be receivers of the message of Christmas. What if you and I broke into the workplace with, uh, like these shepherds or, or, or Irishmen, if that's a better way for you to re- remember this, like what if we broke into it with that kind of passion and that kind of enthusiasm? What would be the response? How would people respond? I, I, I think about it too, after they saw Jesus, which would have been amazing. I love, I love that it was probably affirmation for a little teenage Mary as well. You know, like she's like, whoa, this is, this is serious because I'm, I'm guessing she had to struggle and rust, wrestle through a lot of doubt. But when all of a sudden she gets bombarded by all, all these shepherds saying angels just spoke to them, she's like, yes, like, yes, I'm not crazy. I'm, a, I'm not crazy. But then it says that they went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. I like the fact that they went back. They went back. They didn't go off to do a, a book contract or, or a reality show or, or whatever. They, they, they went back to what they normally do, but the difference was now they had a song on their lips. Now they had a song of praise on their lips. And isn't that God's intention for us? To go back into whatever environment after we've been exposed to Jesus Christ, after he's revealed himself to us, to go back with a song on our lips. There's something attractive about that in the world around us. I would suggest that we're not intended to go and get into these deep debates and arguments and, and try to convince somebody and just go with a song on your heart in, the, in your day, and people are drawn to that. So we were at a Christmas party on Friday with the staff and elders. Here's a picture of the good-looking uh, group there. And uh, clearly Laura's having the best time out of anybody in the back row there. But, uh, uh, but anyway, we, we were talking, and, uh, and usually there's some moment anytime you're around Chad Riser that he presents something Kind of profound, kind of profound. And he said this, and uh, actually often he's profound, the correction, sorry, Chad. But, uh, but he, 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 he was pointing out, he said, you know, there's a family that's uh, been a couple years now at our church. He said, they told me the story of when they first came to the church. The thing that they were drawn to was the fact of watching Christians all sing together. 
all sing together. He said, in the world around us, we don't do a whole lot of singing, you know? And, and Chad said, said, usually we leave singing to the professionals. Usually we leave singing to the professionals. I was thinking about that as they said often they would, would, would uh, leave the services even, even tearing up in response to the, the songs of Christ followers. And I was thinking about that. I was like, man, isn't that what God's invited us to with our message for, for, for the world around us? And that we're just so contagious, we're just maybe not literally always singing, but uh, maybe, I don't know, you try it. And, uh, but, but, but what if there was just consistently a song on our heart? What if we were glorifying and praising God for all we've heard and all we've seen, speaking consistently about our experiences? I would suggest that the world would take notice. I would suggest that our simple song might even move somebody to tears. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for this message, this picture of the simplicity that these guys that couldn't even give testimony in a court of law were entrusted with the most important message, a message of rescue for all mankind. God, I pray that us, with that simple message, would choose to respond similarly. Not to ignore it, not to reject it, but to embrace it, to sing about it, to speak about it, to proclaim it. God, I pray that that would overwhelm us this Christmas season. That it would just be the natural overflow of our hearts, speaking about all you've done, even for us. God, we need your help in that. We know it's a challenging thing, especially in a world that thinks it's a joke. Pray that you give us strength. Thank you so much for invading that Christmas, choosing to come down, be amongst your people. We love you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The simplicity of Christmas. My youngest daughter, Sienna, uh, a couple weeks back, I asked her if I could see her Christmas list of what she had wanted for Christmas. She's like, oh, Dad, it's online. It's in your Walmart shopping cart already. I pray that you experience that kind of simplicity this Christmas. God bless you.